Welcome everybody to pod number 66 of the Metabulous 2 podcast with me, Ben. And David. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing very well. So what uh, what are we doing this week, David? We are, are following in the footsteps of John Nathan Turner, who in 1981 <laughs> had five weeks in November to present the five faces of Doctor Who. And Ooh. He used this as a springboard to debut uh, Peter Davison in the role of the fifth Doctor. And the stories that uh, John Nathan Turner chose were An Unearthly Child, The Crotons, Carnival of Monsters, The Three Doctors, and Legopolis. And between those five stories, he covered the five faces of Doctor Who. So we are going to do the 13 faces of Doctor Who which is a nigh-impossible task, <laughs> as I found, <laughs> to get a good programming mix, which will appear on BBC Two probably this summer, yep. uh, right leading into uh, Jodie Whittaker's first debut story. Well, of course, you're going to do 13, and I'm going to do 13, which actually makes 26. So that's a lot of programming that's going to be on BBC Two this summer that's around Doctor Who. and Fantastic. I think we're going to present our list and uh, try to have a fight. Fight. I also have uh, Elliot supplied me a list, so I'd like to. Oh no! Really? <laughs> I'd like to just uh, mention that towards the end. Okay. Mainly Troughton, knowing Elliot. <laughs> and I also have former Doctor Who magazine editor Clayton Hickman's list, which might prove interesting. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so just. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. This is good. This is going to be good. We've got lots of lists. So this is going to be listicles here. Um, Listicles. (laughs) Listicles. We're we're very, very contemporary. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. We are. This is is the 21st century on the podcast today. It's it's nonstop lists. Nonstop listicles. So do you have an overall theme or something? I have an overall theme. My overall theme was try to just give the new viewer just a, okay, what is Doctor Who like? Mm -hmm. Again, I went with our rules. It's got to be an extant story. We can't go with part stories. I also removed any stories that were longer than four episodes oh interesting okay um because you know especially with you know i'm, I'm not going to make people watch the sensorites for instance even though i actually <laughs> kind of do like the sensorites or actually even better the web um, planet web planet um so it's four episodes just to keep it the same all the way through because that was of course john nathan turner's original original intent mm-hmm. um there is one little outlier that we'll talk about when we get nearer the time but otherwise that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what i was going for how about you okay i i had a really Tough time with this, so Difficult. I yeah. I came up with two lists. I have a, a radical list and a traditional list. My radical, oh, okay. my, my radical list is all color, blimey, and focuses on predominantly modern Who, so post two thousand five Doctor Who, and then I have a more conventional list where it kind of gives more equal billing to each doctor so i do have some black and whites oh well my my list is completely the in this in the style of your second list i've just gone through each doctor and so i think for the uh, as a means to compare and contrast i think i will go with my radical list and then if we if we have time uh, i'll talk more of a conventional approach okay blimey all right well uh, i mean i mean do you want to kick off with your radicality radicalness or shall, or shall I kick off? I think you should go uh, go ahead, since, since you will be covering black and white Doctor Who. Now, hang on. So I, I just read off my whole list, right? Or do I do? Or are we going like one oh, by one? Hmm. Let's cover Doctor by Doctor. That's what I was going to suggest. Great minds think alike. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Let's go. So I'm going to go with, this is the first Doctor, William Hartnell, and I'm going to go with Planet of the Giants. Ooh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? No. So, Okay. <laughs> Because I like it, and I think Planet of Giants, you know, it's a detective mystery. Yeah, um, it's it's not well known either. Not well known. It's short. Mm-hmm. You, could, you can only watch three <laughs> episodes of it and still get mm-hmm. um, the gist of what's going on. It's got some great special effects. It's got some great chemistry between um, our principals. And I, I was kind of thinking about, you know, that our, our new viewer possibly only knows William Hartnell from Twice Upon a Time. Right. You know, he's a, he's a kind mm-hmm. of posh, sexist old man. Mm-hmm. And I think this really shows off Hartnell's, Hartnell, you know, it's, it's, he's got these are his friends that he's traveling with Mm -hmm. they solve crimes Mm -hmm. uh, by flying through space and time Mm -hmm. which is essentially what doctor who is so and i like it and the other thing it's short Mm -hmm. but if you want to watch more of it Mm -hmm. there's the extra fourth reassembled episode on on the dvd right perfect 
So, good story written by Lewis Marx. We have we have Mervyn yeah. Pinfield, Douglas Camfield, um, all two, the classics, two good directors. So, yeah, I, I could see that. And you're right; it's three. It's only three episodes long. So, if uh, if the, if if you don't have viewer capture with that, you're not out four episodes. You're not putting people off. I mean, this was always the problem, I think, with these season reruns that the BBC tried to do in the 80s and in the 90s, mm-hmm. is they would always start with the first Doctor. Right. And there are a lot of people, sadly, more and more people who will not watch things mm-hmm. that are in black and white mm-hmm. um, my wife my lovely wife being one of those mm-hmm. people much as I love her so that leads perfectly into my choice for the first doctor William Hartnell I I had that concern that black and white would just be especially in in widescreen TVs you know modern age yeah. it just it'd just be a bridge too far so I am leading off and I'm getting the first and second doctor and third doctor with the three doctors, the uh, uh, 1973 oh. anniversary special, um, Mornington Crescent, the Mornington Crescent <laughs> of, um, of Doctor Who episode. Yeah, picking. so um, Bob Baker, Dave Martin's 1973 nice. Um, nice. anniversary special, wham bam, get the first three doctors right in there, right out of the way, effectively, because I'm I'm thinking like a BBC executive, I don't want to have two weeks of black and white slow. Doctor Who from the '60s on television. Slow Who. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a, that's a good choice. I mean, I will quibble with some of the characterizations mm-hmm. um, in the three Doctors, especially I think of the Brigadier yep. um, and actually the second Doctor as well. In my opinion, admittedly, it's a very weak story. Uh, it's not one of my favorites. God, it's a great villain though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Omega is a Omega is, is, is an absolute classic. But yes, it's not the strongest mm-hmm. story, uh, as I think as as we know, because I think originally there was going to be more Hartnell in it. Right, and un- sadly his health was severely declining at that point dandy and a clown yep. okay well blimey so I, that means i've got to slam straight into my trout well of course the trout and i picked his tomb of the cybermen mm. which is a smashing smashing story yeah. again great effects yep. it's got some great outdoor filming mm-hmm. which is not very common in the 60s um it's only four episodes it introduces villains that we're going to be seeing mm-hmm. further on mm-hmm. in the show yep it's got some fantastic dialogue, you know, some corners of the universe mm-hmm. have bred some terrible things. Pretty good direction by Morris Berry. Awesome with, direction with by Morris. The honeycomb, the honeycomb scene of the ice tombs is brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the Cybermen are really at their scariest. Mm-hmm. Plot makes no sense. <laughs> um, the villains are fantastic, you know, um, the, the brotherhood of, of logicians right. are, are super creepy and awesome. It's a little bit racist. That's fine. It's the racist 60s. and anti-Semitic as the as the two <laughs> dings against it. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding! The two things against it. It's both racist and anti-Semitic, um, but not but not in a horrible way. You know, in a very affectionate and, way. And um, and it is a fifty-year-old Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's 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 you know, and it has. It, I I always love the opening of Tomb of Cybermen. It's got a real kind of Flash Gordon feel to mm-hmm. it. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting four episodes. It's not spread out too long. Um, like it a lot. It has, it has heart. There's a really nice scene there with Victoria and the doctor. right a lovely scene. Right after Victoria had lost her father and the doctor talking about his family. So that, that alone is worth watching Tomb of the Cybermen yeah, for. Yeah, she just had her whole family exterminated by Daleks. Mm-hmm. She needs someone to come for her, obviously. So, excellent. So you have the Cybermen. On, on and the Cybermen are straight in there. Yeah. And of course, we'll be seeing a lot of the Cybermen, hopefully, <laughs> in um, over, over Jody's first season, or not. <laughs> okay. All right. So my second pick. Yep. And I'm hoping for a little budget from the BBC, and I am doing a, a Pertwee story for my second story, and I am doing okay. the Invasion of the Dinosaurs by Mac Hulk. Oh. And what I'm hoping for is to get a little bit of special effect budget so I can just do... Just a small just amount. Just a small amount so we've seen it done, can be done with better dinosaur effects. And I know that's sacrilege, but I am going for a modern audience, and so I want a full-color restoration or a full-color job on episode one, and then I want to CGI the heck out of those dinosaurs for a really good... Um, unit family brigadier Sarah Jane Smith story from 1974 with Mac Hulk as our writer, one of our best writers. I completely concur with that. Would you also uh, CGI the big plastic dinosaur foot um, that tries to stamp <laughs> on our heroes, it, or would that you would you keep it as a as a live effect there? I would try to keep everything consistently updated. Okay. So I would do the Invasion of the Dinosaurs special edition. 
if I could get the budget for it. If I couldn't get the budget for it, I would choose a different story. Well, you know, sidebar, um, you know, about 10 years ago, I remember there was, when, when the DVD re- released, I remember there was discussion about this on the old uh, restoration team mm-hmm. message board and the conclusion then that this would not be possible. Um, I think nowadays it's actually completely possible. Absolutely. Um, it, uh, it really is possible mm-hmm. and they should do it. Yeah. So yep. BBC, pull your fingers out, get working. <laughs> And so for you, for Pertwee's per per story. Pertwee, it, uh, it has to be Claws of Axos, ah, of course. Excellent choice. Bill Filer. It's got Americans in it to bring in our American audience. Very, very convincing Americans all the way through there with Bill Filer. <laughs> it's um, it's got outdoor, it's got indoor, it's got psychedelic effects, it's got our heroes become old. They wear mini skirts, they fall over. It's um, glam Pertwee. It's perfect. It's glam Pertwee. The master is in it. Mm-hmm. Our new Doctor Who viewer mm-hmm. is going to have to know about the master. I think the master is great in this, and it has the greatest master, Roger Delgado, the greatest of all masters. And also, I think what it does, it also shows you a little bit more about you know how. We think the Doctor is at home on Earth, but actually he doesn't really like living on Earth at all, and he's kind of wants to get away. You know this, and if we, you know, if Jody, if, as as we've been, we were mm-hmm. discussing last week, you know, is maybe stuck on Earth for a while. Right. We're going to have to understand her discomfort about being stuck in one time and one place. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great story, and it's a and it's a fun watch, and I think it gets to stick undeservedly. I don't know why it's not a fun favorite? It's a solid story. I think it's what Dave Martin and Bob Baker. It's Bristle Boys yep, again, yep, exactly. Yep, yeah, yep, Bristle so Boys. Yeah, yeah. It's a great early mid seventies Doctor Who story fantastic yeah. and the color is out of this world it's great yeah top of the pops and um, bill filer thumbs up <laughs> thumbs up he's he's <laughs> I, I can't tell him apart from a normal american <laughs> excellent uh, so, okay your number so of... yeah so my third story yeah um i ease into the tom baker era and i chose Terry Nation's 1975 classic, Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, a six-parter. Okay. I think it's an important story. It is an important story. It introduces Davros, which has had a huge impact on Doctor Who ever since his debut. Uh, Producers cannot seem to get enough of this portrayal from JNT to RTD to Moffat. They all love... Got to have some Davros All love Davros. In fact, every every producer since uh, Phil Pinchcliffe brought this character in, so including Graham Williams, they've they've all brought back Davros. So yeah. it has one of my favorite time teams in with Harry, Sarah, and yeah. the Doctor. Uh, I yep. think it, it, we we see um, the manipulation of the, uh, the Time Lords. We also see which um, fans time have, um, yeah, uh, fans have thought of as the first uh, battle of the Time War. So I think that's a very very good story for the Fourth Doctor. And of course, you know, if we're going with the stories that we picked so far, it also introduces the Daleks for the first time in our in our thirteen faces of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. And um, why not introduce the Daleks at their very beginning, at their genesis, mm-hmm. at the yeah. at their retcon genesis, <laughs> at the retcon genesis? Let's just have that as the original genesis and f- forget about all the early stuff. <laughs> so, how about you? So, my my number four, my Tom Baker is. Pyramids of Mars, which uh, does a number of things I think are important. One, it keeps us to four episodes. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. It acts as a corrective to, to I think, a misconception um, that our new fan might have on Tom Baker's Doctor Who. He's not all teeth and curls. He's not all grinning and gurning and offering people jelly babies. He's really grim in this one, and the stakes are very, very high. This is a really scary story. He is in agony part of the time. He's all like, um, uh, uh, you know, I've got to save the universe. It's so he's a he's a really mysterious character. Mm-hmm. So it's the the kind of baker that I like. I don't like I don't like the jelly baby baker. This is the baker that I enjoy. Other reason I want to throw this in, it's a kick-ass feminist episode. It's directed by a woman. Patty Russell. Sarah Jane's got a rifle and yeah. she's gonna blow stuff up with it. Um it's you know, it's my two, you know, it's it's the relationship between Sarah and the Doctor is just a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Everybody dies, which I always enjoy, um, apart from, of course, our two protagonists. And they die in the most horrible way possible. Phenomenal guest cast. It's just, uh, there is very, very little to fault with this one. And I I would add, the thing I really like about this one is it gives the most sensical explanation of of fixed points. You with RTD glossed over with fixed points and Waters and Mars. Here the Doctor actually shows Sarah 
why something is a fixed point. It's not that you can't change history. It's that if you don't, you can't get back to where you started. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it also shows, you know, that sometimes, you know, the, the doctor is, he's, and, and his companion, because I think mm-hmm. Sarah and the doctor have equal, equal billing here in terms of agency. Right. Um, they're, they're fighting things that are, the, 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 this is, this is universe level stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's, I think mm-hmm. that's important. Sometimes our heroes have got serious things to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Excellent choice. Um, for my fourth, I did another Tom Baker because I'm going uh, for, you can. because I can. And because I think the BBC recognizes that uh, um, Tom Baker is still a very popular doctor, especially in uh, of of guys of our generation. <laughs> so I did the highly esteemed City of Death, which has Douglas yeah. Adams' yeah. story from 1979 with uh, the second Romana Lala Award. And it's, it's a fan favorite, and I think it's the most approachable Deservedly of the so. Tom Baker stories for the general viewing audience. So that's why I chose that one. Yeah, and again, very little to fault this with. Um, there's some mysterious stuff in the first episode that mm-hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense, but they soon pick right. up after that. It's got mm-hmm. a great soundtrack. It's got some great foreign locations. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's all set in Paris. It's got some, you know, John Cleese wanders mm-hmm. in from time to time. That's always fun. And, and you know, as Count Scarlione, the villain, of course, everyone will know that actor, Julian Glover, from, of course, from Game of Thrones. So again, you're sort of you're bringing in other things. It's very mm-hmm. relatable. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with that one. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the soundtrack, this is probably when people look for a Dudley Simpson soundtrack, they point to City of Dudley. They point using their ears to this soundtrack. With the name of Douglas Adams still, we've got Julian Glover, good soundtrack, John Cleese cameo. It's it, Like I said, it's the most approachable for the not-we, for the general, general BBC viewing of uh, 1970s Doctor Who. Perfect, perfect. So... Your fifth story. Right. Yes. My number five. My fifth story with the fifth doctor. It's getting a bit hard here because it's starting, <laughs> to, it's starting to edge into my to my not that favorite right. era of Doctor Who. However, we've gone with The Visitation. Ah, Eric Sayward, huh? Eric Sayward, who again is not my favorite script editor <laughs> um, by any by any uh, by any stretch of the imagination. However, this is a pretty good story. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a pseudo historical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Doctor does travel in time, and he travels in Earth time, and sometimes he screws up and starts fires mm-hmm. by mistake. Spoiler alert! Uh, <laughs> I think the aliens are great in this, some great animatronics. Mm-hmm. I think the robot is great in this, some great. Glittery robot atronics, uh, some great <laughs> subsidiary characters, a kind of Holmesian, uh, as in Robert Holmes, uh, subsidiary characters, um, right. and uh, some, a very nice chemistry between what is quite a large and unwieldy TARDIS team. Um, mm-hmm. They've all got vaguely a little bit to do, which, you know, I think, and again with Jodie, we're going to have a lot mm-hmm. of people possibly sloshing around in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and let's learn what it's like having all those people around. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, countryside looks mm-hmm. nice. Um, who doesn't like the Great Plague? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and yeah, not to get too spoilerific, but oh, yes. Adric is Adric is the one who twists his ankle. So yep. if you it's have he... a nice little inversion of gender yeah. stereotypes yeah. in Doctor Who, so yeah, it's a solid story from um, Davison's first series. Solid, I, unexciting story. Yes. I, well, I think it's very exemplar of the Davison era. Yes, so. which is one of the reasons why why why, why I picked mm-hmm. it. So I I went with uh, the finale of Davison's era, which is not one of my particular favorite stories. But I think since we are talking about regeneration um, with Jody coming back, what better story? Often atop a Doctor Who magazine poll as a fan favorite, the Caves of Andersani. And with the Caves of Andersani, I cover both. Davison and Colin Baker, with Colin Baker sitting up at the very oh, end. So, move. <laughs> so I get the two two for one in that. Very but, clever. But we have this is this is this is the very first story that I have of uh, Robert Holmes, Bob Holmes's writing for Doctor Who, and I think it's important if you're introducing the faces of Doctor Who, the history of Doctor Who. Yep to have one of the most influential writers, Bob Holmes, and this is one of the most uh, respected or appreciated stories of fans of the 1980s. So we get two doctors, a great story, a great writer, a great director of Graham Harper, and so that's my fifth and sixth Doctor story. Well, I think that's a very smart move. Cave of Androzani is a bit too gritty for me. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think overly gritty, but it is a it is you know it's it, it lollops along at an awesome pace. Um, yeah, yep. there's gen there's genuine peril for our heroes. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been a great fan of Perry, um, even though I love Nicholas, <laughs> Nicola uh, whatever she's called. Right. Um, but um, yeah, it's a pretty good choice. And you know, I, of course, I've already included Robert Holmes with my Pyramids right. of Mars. Um, you mm-hmm. need to have some Robert Holmes in there, and that's and that's mm-hmm. sm- and I love the I love the I love squeezing in Colin Baker there, um, <laughs> and possibly avoiding having to choose one of from his run, um, which is what I tried to do. Uh, I, the problem that I had is that Colin Baker is a great chap. Um, he's a great mm-hmm. actor. He's done some great work for Who, none of which really has been on TV. Right. So uh, I the first thing I said is, okay, no, let's not pick any of his TV adventures, and let's go straight mm-hmm. to Big Finish. Where he mm. is easily, I think, you know, one of the best doctors um, that yep. they have working for, for for Big Finish, and I would advise our new Who, uh, our Who neophyte, our, our Whoophyte, if you will, to pick any of Colin Baker's stories with the companion Evelyn Smythe, an older mm. an older historian lady who he picks up by mistake, and they have just some great adventures, and the the mm-hmm. contrast between. Uh, a kind of a late middle-aged uh, academic single woman and mm-hmm. Colin Baker's and uh, Colin Baker's fifth doctor uh, sorry sixth doctor is absolutely stunning um however if you had to make me pick a tv <laughs> Colin Baker story i'm going to go straight to the bottom and i'm going to pick attack of the cybermen and the reason why i'm going to pick attack of the cybermen is because it'll show our, our our who neophyte how not to do doctor who it also ties in with Tomb. So you have Tomb oh, of course a few weeks earlier. Yep. And so you have the, the what ultimately is a sequel. And uh, the new viewer can shudder along with the rest can of us. Can shudder along with the rest of us. <laughs> oh, yes. Actually, you know what? I'm a fan and I like things, everything to fit together. <laughs> but you know what? If things fit together too much, they start to make no sense. Right. So, and, mm-hmm. that's what to, and that is what Attack of the Cybermen does. Yeah, I, I like Maurice Colburn in the uh, role of Lytton. Yeah, one of my favorite villain frenemies, I guess, in frenemies, Doctor Who. Yep. So yeah, it's a it's a solid choice of very slim pickings. Slim pickings is the word mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So your um, where do you go now? I'm curious. I go to McCoy. Okay. And I choose um, probably my favorite story of the McCoy era, which is The Curse of Fenric by Ian Briggs, oh. a 1989 story, which was, uh, I think, a return to the pacing or the type of storytelling that was common, more common than the earlier time period. So this is the penultimate story um, of the classic era, if you, uh, well, of, of, of McCoy, at least. Um, and it shows some death to Sophie Aldred's ace character with, you know, meeting her, spoilers, her mother. It just has a very interesting character with, um, is it Chris Parsons who played the, uh, the minister? Oh, uh, oh, no, uh, uh, Nicholas Parsons. Nicholas Parsons oh, off of, of, sorry, off of yeah. Just a Minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have Janet Henfrey, who, who plays Miss Hardacre, who's going, I know what girls like you do. And there's a, Ooh, yes. and then if, if I could encourage, if I can encourage the viewer to then turn to the target novelization, which really expands upon the story, actually makes the story make sense. Yes, right, right. Ian Briggs' story, and I guess I would do the special edition, the expanded DVD edition of Curse of Fenric. Yes, I think that's also important. I would not do the as broadcast version, like you said. It doesn't make as much sense as the novel, but the the expanded version certainly does go more in depth and adds more uh, supporting surrounding material to the story that helps move the narrative along. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think that's a fair enough choice. Um, I'm not a big fan of Curse of Fenric. Mm-hmm. There's too much. It's too much plot. <laughs> I've never really understood how those Russians were going to were going to carry that big decoding machine across the North Sea <laughs> in a rubber ding- in a rubber dinghy without it without it sinking. <laughs> I also don't understand how they could possibly fit enough nerve gas. Spoiler alert inside the code machine to actually just de- <laughs> to, to actually destroy berlin or whatever they were doing who knows um right it's pretty fun it's a pretty fun one actually um and actually i also struggled a little little bit with um uh, finding some uh, uh finding some uh, um, some mccoy era to do and i went with ghost light 
um, oh, which has a, wow that now that is that is bold which is similarly <laughs> overplotted and overplotted to such an extent that it actually makes no sense whatsoever but mm-hmm. there's some great characterization and i think it's i think it, it's it's a nice piece of kind of gonzo who that it just kind of throws everything all around the place and kind of thrashes about like an axon being zapped by something right. and mm-hmm. uh, really just has our characters being themselves um, mm-hmm. Not only themselves, but also has the has the rest of the cast kind of just being the characters that they are, with not really mm-hmm. having a huge amount of plot, but just be kind of unnecessarily complicated and retro. And it's it's a it's a fun watch, and I think it will mm-hmm. demonstrate again to our new Who fan that you know Doctor Who can be pretty much can be pretty out there and can kind of be about something mm-hmm. and nothing at all at the same time. Yeah, three episodes long, written again, by Mark Platt. Yep, and so if mercifully uh, if Mc- short. <laughs> And it is a good example, which we've seen uh, in Modern Who, of a story that could have used a little bit more breathing room, could have used another episode to expand on some of the ideas and themes in it. So I think it, it, it really does lead us into the modern era. Absolutely. So I think it's a, it's a good, solid choice. It's not as accessible, I think, as The Curse of Fenric, but it is very, very well-received of the McCoy-era fandom. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, your next one. My next one is I Am Overlooking, 1996, uh-huh. and I will be picking up McGann at a later point. Okay. So I am going directly into the debut, the advent of 2005 Modern Doctor Who with Russell T. Davis's story for Eccleston, Rose. Nice one. Yep, good choice. And good choice. Reason for this is it introduces the whole concept of Modern Who where we are focused on character more than plot there's not a lot to rose but it really introduces modern who to the viewer and i think that's the best best thing to say about it it also brings uh, rtd's writing right in there right away saying you know and, and it's an a, a, both an acknowledgement that yes russell brought it back to uh, the airways but this is the type of writing this is the type of storytelling that his era is really about i agree it's a good choice it's a good choice i did actually stop halfway through the 90s at the tv movie um one because i just really love i mean i pretty much hate the tv movie mm-hmm. but i just love paul mccann's uh, characterization of the doctor throughout it and i think it, mm-hmm. again it's kind of maybe it's a slight corrective that i want to introduce our new our new viewer to is that you know mm-hmm. you can do a reboot of, of, of a show in any way you like but you right. know what? If you do it wrong, it ends up like this. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. one can certainly list out all the things that, all the reboot problems with that particular reboot, which what which is what made it a failure in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can also point out the one great success of, of the TV movie, which is it introduces to Paul McCann as, I think, one of the most successful incarnations of The Doctor. Well, yes, if we consider Big Finish yep. and his longevity and the stories that he has been the lead in is is phenomenal. And it really, just like Big Finish, really expanded and brought to forefront the acting of Colin Baker as the Doctor. Likewise, it Big Finish also brought Paul McGann in as the Doctor. And for, I think his first story was in 2001 with... Uh, uh, storm warning. Storm warning so yep. he he had almost five or four or five years of big finish where he was the current doctor and um, with charlie pollard and lucy miller and his companions there that really really sells it i'll also throw in for for fans of doctor who magazine and the comic strip he had almost a decade of being the Doctor, mm, um, uh, the longest, the longest, the longest tenure as the Doctor in Doctor Who magazine's comic strip, and there are some absolutely astounding stories in that run. Um, yeah. And I advise anyone to see, seek those out. That's some, mm-hmm. some some of the best some, some of the best Who writing that's been done in in the comic strip. There, I think. In in many ways, the wilderness years were a kind of a golden age of fandom. We had snuck under or gotten out of the shadow of BBC and the television production. There's a lot of creativity, a lot of uh, fandom taking ownership of the show. And so there's, in many ways, an explosion of Doctor Who that if it had just continued to be on BBC on Tuesdays, Thursdays, or uh, Saturdays, we wouldn't have seen Without Absolutely, the I agree. So, in many ways, it's a very, very good reminder 
to have the television movie in there, just what also is part of fandom, which is, like you mentioned, the comics and Big Finish. Yeah, It's also a really instructive slice of mid-90s TV as well. Um, mm-hmm. And for people who maybe weren't watching TV in the mid-90s or don't care to remember um, the <laughs> mid-90s, uh, that's what TV was like. It was, it's like yep. the X-Files. It's like Highlander. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see what's yep. going on because it's not lit right, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Solid choice from limited options. <laughs> Very limited options. So you're, um, I think you're, you're moving on to the 10th Doctor now, I believe. I am, I am. And since we have a new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, I chose for my eighth story, 42, which is Chris Chibnall's first story of modern Doctor Who. And this is a story that features the Doctor and Martha, and I think this is a really well-acted piece, both on uh, David Tennant and... Uh, Freema Ajman's parts. So I think it has a fairly solid guest cast. I think the story holds up on under review. And if, assumingly, Chris Chibnall would want to have his writing or his type of uh, storytelling part of this 13 Faces. So that is the reason I chose 42. Very good. Uh, not one of my favorites, but uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit artificial. Um, again, you know, it's a nice um, it's a nice reflection of what people thought was cool about TV at that time. It takes place in real time. How exciting, right? You know, and the chip does a pretty good job. I'm a big fan of Freema and and Martha. Mm-hmm. I prefer her much much over Rose as a companion for the Tenth Doctor. So uh, mm-hmm. a good solid choice. My uh, next choice, which of course I'm I'm still on I'm still on the um I'm still on the Ninth Doctor is Dalek. Ah, Christopher Eccleston's probably best liked performance that was that his is that his performance that he prefers the most? I think I think it's the his most actorly performance. So being the actor that he is mm-hmm. um down the down the um uh, in Soho um with all his mm-hmm. actor friends. <laughs> whatever the Soho equivalent in Manchester is, I suppose. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's great. It's, it's really good. You know, it's got some great Americans in it. It's very, very convincing Americans as usual. And it's got Von Staten. <laughs> Von Staten. Yes, okay. I guess you must be an American. It's my first choice with some Daleks in it. Let's reintroduce mm-hmm. the Daleks for, for a new audience. Um, it's very, very tense. It's mm-hmm. high stakes again. You know, we really kind of establish how dangerous these creatures are. It's got a lovely ending, um, some nice characterization. Very much, you know, there's very few characters in it. Luckily, they shovel mm-hmm. off, um, what's his name, Adam. to the side, Adam. So we don't really have mm-hmm. to deal with him that much. Yeah, it's a favorite of mine. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Rob Sherman's writing as well. So mm-hmm. um, certainly from, um, from, uh, from Big Finish. So, um, yeah. Really good choice. A really solid direction by Joe Ahern. I think... Billy Piper does a really good job confronting the post-time war traumatic doctor with the, the whole scene of Rose saying, well, the Dalek isn't the one pointing the gun at me. Uh, I think there's a lot of character moments in there. And uh, at the very beginning, it was really nice to see the classic Cyberman helmet in this display case. That was very cool. Yes. That pleased me immensely in 2005 when I first saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Great. You're, next. You're up next, right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I am still in the RTD era because David Tennant, I think, is a very popular doctor, probably still the most popular doctor in fandom, at least of modern Doctor Who. So I'm going with the season four opener, um, Russell T. Davies' Partners in Crime with the Adipose and uh, Donna Noble. Very, very good. Yep, yep. And uh, it's a very accessible story. It's a very exemplar of the way RTD would open things, kind of with a light story. I think the Adipose are fun and they're kid friendly in some ways so if i wanted to go bring them back in the chibnall era (laughs) i don't know go to the planet of adipose or something also it's a fun story with uh donna and the doctor and just the scenes between uh, Catherine Tate and David Tenton acting through the window. That's I a think, comedy is, classic. Yep. And it really, um, at the time, there was a lot of doubt that Catherine Tate would have been a really good companion. And there was a lot of belly aching about it. And she nailed it. 
with partners in crime. And she really sold the skeptics on the characterization of Donna. And I think I prefer earlier Donna stories to the the later bit. And I, I think it's also a celebration of the writing that Russell T. Davis, RTD, brings. It's a fun story. And I think... I think after 42, after kind of the heavier stories that we've had with uh, Andrazani, Fenric, it's really good to show the lighter side of Doctor Who. Yeah, and I think, I mean, my, my two kids who are currently going through their non-watching Doctor Who phase of their lives, um, <laughs> when they do decide what, to watch Doctor Who from time to time, this is one of the episodes that they go to. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's just a really fun, light, with also serious stuff episode. Very great. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Um, my tenant choice is the Lazarus experiment. Ooh, yeah. that's that's kind of bold. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know why people don't like this one. The Lazarus experiment gets a lot of stick across fandom mm-hmm. and in general as being not good. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's got Martha. It's got it's got it's got the tenth Doctor. There's some great chemistry there. It's got mm-hmm. some Saxonage um, blunt strung through it to kind of keep that plot line going. I don't think Gattis has actually ever been better in his in his mm-hmm. role as the young and old evil um, uh, Doctor Lazarus. Um, I think the effects are great. Yeah, I mean it's it's the science is a bit dodgy, mm-hmm. but then you know name me a Doctor Who episode where the science isn't completely dodgy. Well, it's not as dodgy as some of them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, I, yeah, great. I, I, I again when I'm feeling like when I'm feeling like relaxing with mm-hmm. a tenant who I very often point my finger to the button that will bring up the Lazarus experiment. Now, the knock against the Lazarus experiment is the CGI, the computer graphic uh, Lazarus Nothing monster. Wrong with it. Uh, I think it I think if I had uh I, Hmm. While they're doing it, your dinosaurs, it, it, they'll it, also it redo It needs the a little monster. updating. Yeah, it needs a little updating, I think. Okay. <laughs> but then again, you know, it's a nice snapshot of you know mid two thousands who. This is what that this is, is what things and, looked like then. Yeah. And if we and if we are going with things as is, then we would keep the invasion of the dinosaurs as is too. That's so true. If we yeah. wanted this is example of what Doctor Who was like at the time. It's now an historical artifact, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's a good one. And it's you know, it's, it's it says some nice things about aging and you know, I think that connects mm-hmm. very nicely with you know the climax of that particular uh, season with um uh, with the uh, the saxon arc um which i think you know let's let, let's get our who neophyte thinking about arcs which of course mm-hmm. which actually become incredibly important um as who develops and it is good that you introduce mark gatiss early on because we'll see him again probably in our our final episode in our 13 faces he's a very he's a very important person in the history of doctor who at this point mm-hmm. yeah Excellent. Okay. Moving on, I'm jumping into the Matt Smith era. And again, I'm doing a Chris Chibnall story. I'm doing Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. And the reason I chose this, Mm. um, first off, is I like the story. But I think it's also going to be an example of what Chibnall does in a crowded TARDIS. And we have a very crowded TARDIS where we have uh, Queen Nefertiti, we have Riddell, and we have uh, Rory's uh, uh, father, Brian, all in the TARDIS. And how how Chibnall deals with a crowded TARDIS. Right. I like the idea of the Silurians in space. I like that we don't really see the Silurians, the modern Silurians in there. Now, where the story gets a lot of pushback is how the Doctor deals with uh, Solomon, played by David Bradley. Well, we'll we'll probably be seeing see him later. again. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, deals with him and I think it's appropriate. I think the doctor had the right response. I like Rianne Steele's portrayal of Queen Nefertiti. I think she's very, very strong and doesn't play a victim in it. She is victimized, but she's fighting back and she makes a difference. So I think it's a really strong Chibnall story and I think it might be an example, again, of what to expect in the Jodie Whittaker era, yeah, no, that's it's uh, it's good. I think that's I think that's a good choice. Thank you. There's some great guest stars in there as well, um, mm-hmm. and you know, again, this crowded TARDIS piece is going to be a problem that the Chib will be will be trying to solve for us. And um, mm-hmm. you had he addresses it pretty. You know, it's not a favorite of mine, but I mean, I think he addresses that crowded TARDIS really pretty well. Mm-hmm. My eleventh uh, Doctor pick is 
it's a the, the only the only two parter that I picked, um, and I picked it I picked a two parter because actually you know they are kind of they're, they're not even as long as the, the old school, the old school four parter, and that is Time of Angels and um, Flesh and Stone. Um, Excellent choice. Which is Excellent. really again <laughs> solid. We've got we've got we, again we've got Game of Thrones in there as well with the uh, what's his name who's also in Game of Thrones as the head soldier thing um anyway it's 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 good it's a good solid choice um i think it's it's adventurous it's a great cliffhanger our tardis team again working together nicely they haven't really become as obnoxious as they started to become towards the end of matt smith's era um right uh, i i really feel uh they kind of overstayed their welcome Mm-hmm. And there's all there's some arc mystery is in there as well. You know, this right. is when I think Moffat was really working a lot harder to set up his his kind of mysterious arcs. There's Absolutely, some, there's yep. some clues to be solved if you watch mm-hmm. carefully. And mm-hmm. the, the angels, even though I think they're probably overused at this point, uh, certainly nowadays I think they're kind of overused. Um, I mm-hmm. think they were still pretty fresh at that point. And yep. you know, exciting villainous. Mm-hmm. This is only their second. Uh, only their second outing and yeah it's a good one i again i always kind of enjoy that one yeah and and kudos for getting alex kingston river song in oh there. of course yes this is this is mm-hmm. this is the beginning of the beginning of more and more river song <laughs> and so yeah you're, you're right it's a very strong guest cast you mentioned uh, ian glenn uh, father octavian of course that's who and, i was trying to think of uh, from game of thrones but yep. uh, just this is the first uh, performance Matt Smith gave as the 11th Doctor first recorded episode, and he nails it. And He, he really is, does. It is an amazing story. I really like um, Karen Gillan, Amy Pond in this story. I like how – I like the arc of the story. I like her reaction or her interaction with River Song, not knowing that this is at her daughter – but just kind of her intuition, her flirtiness with with the doctor at the end, I think that shows what Moffat can do when he's trying to explain why the doctor isn't romantically involved with his companions. Right, so right. I think it's a really strong Moffat story, and honestly, it's one of my favorite Moffat pieces. I think it's a really great uh, yeah. episode from... Uh, what is series five yeah, I think and so, yeah. um excellent choice thank could, you thank could, you very could much could be happier with it yeah oh, good well great and i think it's now your turn again yes okay so i am cheating a little bit here mm. i am doing an anniversary night and part of my anniversary night is i'm bringing paul mcgann in for the prequel for the day of the doctor with the night of the doctor yeah. so before i run the day of the doctor i'm running the night of the doctor i think it was about seven minutes long to have paul mcgann it's a it's a nice short concise story it introduces the war doctor and then we get the war doctor and the day of the doctor we also get uh we, we well we get all the ex- extant doctors at the time we get a n- really nice double act between uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant, and we have Capaldi's eyebrows, and it really it, it was at the top of the most recent um, Mighty Doctor Who magazine poll. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a fan favorite. It's a feel-good anniversary episode. Moffat obviously worked very hard on it. I'm not particularly a huge fan of the story, but it does check all the boxes and. Um, Throwing it out there. That's that's what I'm doing, and I know it's a little bit of a cheat to include McGann in there, but it's a short, short, short episode. No, I think that's good. It's again, it's 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 great. It's great to see that Doctor back again. It's great to have mm-hmm. him name check his big finished companions. Yep. builds all that into the continuity. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Brain of Morbius. Great to have Khan there properly back into into our continuity again. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a really nice, tightly written little little seven minutes of who. Very very good choice. And and again, you're again you're you're really kind of Mornington Crescenting uh, this test here. Um, <laughs> I, I hope everyone's yes. understanding why I'm saying Mornington Crescent all the time. Anyway, um, <coughs> and if you don't, too bad. Um, <laughs> The um, so this this is my penultimate choice here. I think my 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 twelfth Doctor choice. Um, I hope you're not going to choose the same one, but I've gone straight for Oxygen. Hmm. I had con- strongly considered that, but I did not go for Oxygen. Oh, good, because I went for Oxygen. So I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't actually rewatched it since it was on. Since I'm kind of waiting until. The price on the DVDs drops to a a, a <laughs> reasonable amount, yeah. level. <laughs> 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 but certainly, my <laughs> my memories of this 
have it being very, very strong, mm -hmm. very exciting. As everyone probably knows, I'm not a big fan of Clara. Right. I don't want to have Peter Capaldi and Clara. I want to have I want to have Peter Capaldi and Bill and Nardole. Yes. Um, and the more I think about that TARDIS team, the more affection I have for that mm -hmm. for that group, and the more sad I am. They only had one season uh, to yeah. play their roles. And um, so Oxygen is yeah. the one. And again, you know, it, it takes us back to uh, Matt Culkin, the mid-1970s, mm -hmm. and, you know, fight the man, capitalism is evil, all things that I still strongly believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's why I like Oxygen. My favorite story of the past series, uh, Jamie Matheson, very strong writer, writer I wish uh, would come back under Chibnall. I also chose a Jamie Matheson story, but I chose it from the Capaldi doctor's first first year uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. And it's a goodie. There's some interesting uh, friction between the Capaldi Doctor and Clara in that story. It has an interesting concept of the, of the Mummy and the Countdown. It's a fan favorite. I think it will score highly in polls. I think people like Clara. You and I personally aren't fans of Clara, but there's enough there's enough recent memory with Clara reappearing in the Twice Upon a Time that it's a good callback to it. And then with the with the maintenance character, the uh, oh yeah, Frank Skinner yeah, with Frank Skinner in there, I think that's another very popular actor. And uh, he's a very popular and, comedian. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and so we have 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 good good name draw, good recent Capaldi Doctor Who to. Uh, show Capaldi just acting on his own, doing a really good, tightly plotted story. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's a good one. And the, the effects are good yep. as well. That mummy is excellent. Mm -hmm. That's a really great yeah, monster. Yeah, A1. Yep. Yep, A1 monster there. So my, my final one is obviously um, Twice Upon mm -hmm. a Time because it's got, it's got Jodie yep. in it. Um, I didn't care for it, as you probably mm -hmm. heard when we discussed that particular episode. But there you mm -hmm. go. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. I only I only put it in because yep. we had to have Jody in there somewhere. Uh, likewise, I am not a fan of that episode uh, per se, but that is our uh, face for Jody Whitaker, and so it it's in there until we get get some Chibnall writing for uh, Jody. Come on, Chib, <laughs> let's let's get some let's get some Whitaker on the on the slate. So, yeah, I think um very strong strong uh, suite of stories you put forward there. I think it'd be very enjoyable watch. You know, the, the, having just spoken through or podcasted through both of our mm -hmm. lists, um, you know, that would be, you know, I actually had the day off tomorrow. Maybe I'll just watch them all. <laughs> uh, You'll have to... Uh, I'll have to get uh, up early. It, it'll be a clockwork orange by the time you're done. <laughs> <laughs> too, too much talk to do. Stop. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, I mean, talking through mm -hmm. who episodes like this, you know, high mm -hmm. speed and going through, it, it really just does... For me, really um, uh, shows what a great show this mm -hmm. is and how it is entirely deserving of 66 hours of my life mm -hmm. um, making these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I have some other list I really would like to go through. If, Please. So yep, I want to just let's rattle off my conventional list. Excellent. My conventional list was I'd start with The War Machines because it introduces Ben and Polly, nice. who we will pick up at the very end with Twice Upon a Time. The Mind Robber for Troughton, because it's freaky 60s Doctor Who. It's freaky. I also had Claws of Access, Genesis of the Daleks, Kinda. Yep, yep. Which, yep. Oh, Kinda. Because mm, it's not okay. an Eric Sayward-influenced piece. Mm -hmm. Mark of the Ronnie. Mm. The slim Pickings. Don't like slim that one. Pickings. <laughs> <laughs> and then, pickings, and then true, my yeah. list uh, continued on with uh, Chris Fenwick, Rose, 42, Partners in Crime, Dinosaurs, Night of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, and then Twice Upon a Time. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so okay. that's more of a conventional. More conventional, yep. Elliot supplied me a list, what he would do, and he focused in on monsters. Ah, smart man. So my son Elliot started out with Hartnell with The Chase for the Daleks, then good. Seeds of Death for the Ice Warriors with Troughton. Terror of the Autons mm -hmm. for both the Masters and the Autons with uh, Pertwee. Yeah. Terror of the Zygons. I thought about that one too. Terror yeah. of the Zygons for uh, Tom Baker. Earthshock for Cybermen. He likes Vengeance on Varus, so that's what he chose for the Colin Baker Doctor. That's a good one. Yeah. Paradise Towers for McCoy. And then, also, okay, yep. Uh, he really loves Aliens of London, World War Three, so that was his Eccleston pick. For Tenant. He did the Santarn Stratagem, the Poison Sky for the Santarns. Then he did, also for Matt Smith, Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone for Weeping Angels. Oh. 
Smart man. For uh, the War Doctor and uh, McGann, he did the same thing I did with the Night of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor. Then for Capaldi, he chose Time Heist, and then, of course, finishing up on Twice Upon a Time. So a monster focus. He tried to hit all the big monsters in his run. Monsters are terrifically important. Um, I, you know, I think, I think the Doctor Who does well to remember how important the monster mm-hmm. is to its success. So, yes, good list there from Elliot. Excellent. And then from our uh, former editor of Doctor Who magazine, now a classic Doctor Who and other classic cult TV t-shirt purveyor, uh, Clayton Hickman. <laughs> is that his only job now? I yeah. don't know if it's his job. He's a, he's a free, sure freelance he's designer. He's just a yeah. guy. He's a guy, big bald guy around town. Yeah. But uh, he, he's a very, very fun person to follow on Twitter and you know, hear his thoughts. And he, he suggested Unearthly Child. Uh, like you, he chose Tomb mm-hmm. of the Cybermen. He did mm-hmm. uh, The Demons for his pert- uh, pertwee. Okay. City of Death, yeah. Earthshock, Mark of the Rani, yeah. Remembrance of the Daleks, the TV movie, of course. He did for Eccleston, Bad Wolf, Parting in the Ways, then Stolen Earth, Journey's End, and like you, Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone. And then for his finale, he chose World Enough in Time, The Doctor Falls, and then that would lead into Twice Upon a Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, those uh, those those last two episodes of the ten, of season ten, season ten of New New View are very very yes. strong. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. so those there's our there's a what five lists for you <laughs> for our listeners to mull over and if they have any suggestions or any better lists they can always reach out on Facebook or Twitter or drop can. us an email and uh, and we will read out the best ones that we get next <laughs> if week. we get any. <laughs> We promise. If you please send us once, because we will read them out and we will also use your name as well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> cool stuff. Good. That, that, that was a lot yeah. of fun. We, 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 we kind of rattled mm-hmm. through those. Um, yeah. yeah, it's nice to do that from time to time. Yep. Very BuzzFeed listicle. Yeah. Um, but that's what all the cool kids are doing these days. We are the cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we go down the skate park. Um, yep. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Cool. Well, um, we're now bringing this to an end. Are we going to do another hour of lists? I think we're done. Oh, I think we're done. I think I'm, we're done. Well, I'm out of water here. <laughs> I've actually drunk all my can of, of La Croix as well. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening to this as we had speaking it or whatever we've just done. Um, I've been Ben. And I've been David. And thank you for listening. We'll see you here next time. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye. What do you mean on an hour 13? 13 be the number. Oh, brilliant. <laughs>